I could share with you how society encourages us to hide our grief and why we feel like we have to bury our grief because so many of us feel like it's never ending. And that's what we're being taught right now. There's a model of grief that shares that we don't actually heal from grief. We just become stronger, better able to carry it. And I don't subscribe to that belief. Welcome to the American Mothers Mom to Mom podcast, a show that lifts, encourages, supports, and educates mothers to do their best in their awesome responsibility to raise, teach, and champion the rising generation. Join us as we talk to and answer questions from mothers nationwide about the challenges, heartbreaks, joys, and lessons learned from one mother to another. Our guest today is a speaker, author, and host of the popular Build a Life After Loss podcast. As an international grief coach, she enjoys helping her clients find purpose and joy again after loss. In addition, she's the author of the book, Miracles in the Darkness, Building a Life After Loss. She and her fun-loving husband, Ron, recently moved to Nashville, Tennessee with their golden doodle, Coco. Together, they are the parents of six beautiful children, including two angels, and have 10, almost 11, incredible grandchildren. I am pleased to present Julie Clough. Julie, thanks for coming on the American Mothers Mom to Mom podcast today. Thanks so much. I'm excited to be here. It's wonderful to have another fellow mother on to share her little bit of her story. But before we dive into your story and why you became a grief coach and all of that, why don't you tell us just a funny mothering moment to kind of break the ice here? So one Saturday morning in all the chaos of our morning, we didn't notice that David had left the house. He was probably five at the time. And next thing we know, he comes back with party favors. And we're like, what, where have you been? Where did you get this? And he says, oh, I noticed the neighbor was having a party and he went over and basically invited himself, had come home, had wrapped a toy in paper towels and gone back over to the house. That was his present. And they'd given him a party favor. <laughs> he was so, so, so active. We used to say the no David picture book was mm -hmm. his biography. <laughs> <laughs> that is the funniest story. And I love that he was so just, he, he loved life, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Larger than life, larger than life in his little itty bitty person. <laughs> Absolutely. So I guess that kind of flows into your story a little bit that here you have this wonderful family, six busy children, and all of a sudden you had such a change happen that altered everything for you. Yeah, absolutely. It was life-changing. And my life had been just scattered with grief experiences. I had lost my brother to suicide when I was in my twenties. And then I went through a divorce for my first husband. Shortly after that, we had three children and I remarried a couple of years later and we had three more children. So our six children, we were a, what you call a blended family, but we felt like we were a family. There was no step, anything. It was just like, we were just all together. And 
then on Mother's Day in 2007, I was traveling across the country with my three youngest children. James was 12, Carrie was 10, and David was eight at the time. As we traveled, we were having a great trip. Really, I was like any mother who travels with their kids for any distance at all. I was super excited about how the day was going. Everyone was behaving so well. We were really having a good time, really Mm -hmm. having a good time and enjoying the trip. And Carrie and David were in the back seat and they had made a gigantic mess because we had thrown all the snacks and the toys back there with them to keep them entertained. And as we traveled mid-afternoon, I was at the border of Mississippi and Alabama on the highway. And suddenly I woke up, I woke up and I was driving the car and we were in the median between the eastbound and the westbound lanes bumping along. And it was so shocking. I I had never even felt tired Mm. that whole day. I'd never, which was always a concern when you're traveling, Mm -hmm. never even once had I felt tired. And here I was like in the median going 70 miles an hour, bumping along the grass. And when I woke up in shock, I immediately obviously tried to pull the car back up on the highway. And when I did, I felt the wheels just lift off the ground Mm. and our car just started rolling and rolling and rolling. And that big suburban I was driving rolled all the way across two lanes of highway before we landed in the grass on the other side, on the side of the highway. And I immediately started calling out for Carrie and David and for James. I could hear James next to me um, crying because he was hurt. But at least I knew he was alive. I couldn't see him, but at least I knew he was alive. But as I called for Carrie and David, there was no answer from the back seat. And as my eyesight returned, I could see, I, I still had that mental image of the destruction of the car, the glass everywhere. Suddenly our car just looked like it was a hundred years old. It just, just everything had been destroyed. And as I looked in the back seat, I couldn't find Carrie and David, and I started screaming. And that's when I noticed people gathering in the grass several yards from the car. And I realized that Carrie and David had been thrown from the car in that moment. Mm -hmm. And the ambulances started to show up a little while later, and they pulled James and I out of the car on striker boards and took us to one hospital. And I watched as they put Carrie and David on stretchers and took them to a different ambulance. And I laid in the hospital that afternoon begging to find out how Carrie and David were doing. They'd been taken to a different hospital. I kept asking, nobody would tell me. They kept saying, "We're, we're trying to get information. We're trying to get information. And I I knew from the minute the accident happened that Carrie and David were either both alive or they both died. They were Mm -hmm. so close. There was no question in my mind that, that either they were both here or they were both gone, that they would have gone together. Mm 
And later that afternoon, my aunt and uncle who lived not far from where we were in Mississippi showed up at the hospital and they had my husband on the phone that who was at the airport trying to get a flight from Houston. And they put him on the phone and he told me that Carrie and David had died mm-hmm. and life changed drastically from that day on. And actually from the moment the accident happened, I knew that life was changed forever. I didn't know what it was going to look like, but I knew that my life, that our lives had changed forever in that moment. Yeah. I got to dry my eyes here for a second. (laughs) Yeah, me too. (laughs) Hard story. It's a hard story. I know it is. I know it's really hard for people to hear. If I hadn't lived it, it's hard for me to comprehend the impact of an event like that. And I lived it Mm. like it's, it's hard. It's hard. But the most important piece of the story is that it was really hard, really, really hard. And I can't even explain how difficult it was. I can't even explain how hard it was to breathe every day, to get up in the morning, to take care of my family. That was, I, I was pretty much non-functional for a long time. And I had to forgive myself for that too. Mm-hmm. You know, I had to not only forgive myself for the accident, but then I had to forgive myself for that time when I was non-functional, when James James was injured in the accident. He'd broken his leg severely. We had so many miracles that happened, which is why I named my book Miracles in the Darkness. And the surgeon that was at the hospital when we arrived was the surgeon who had developed the procedure that James needed for his leg. Wow. And and if that's not a miracle, Mm -hmm. I don't know what is. And so to see all those miracles and to go, there's all these miracles and yet my kids are gone. It was hard to, it was hard to come to terms with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a lot, there was a lot, a lot, a lot to work through, but the good news in this story is that I was able to work through it. And the fact is I am not special. I believe that everybody, that healing is in our blueprint. It is part of who we are. And even though life can be super challenging and difficult, that we can actually heal from those difficult experiences. That's so powerful, Julie. And I'm thankful that you're giving us hope here and, um, We're going to take a quick break and then we're going to come back. And would you mind talking about that, that how you heal and those lessons learned? Because I think that's powerful motivation for all of us, no matter what we've been through or no matter what life is thrown at us to know, oh, it is possible. Absolutely. Okay. We'll take a quick break there while Tamara finishes drying her tears. The mission of American Mothers is to educate, inspire, and recognize mothers through programs that teach, support, and honor mothers, empowering them to positively impact their families and communities. I have enjoyed being with American Mothers since 1976. It has been a real positive influence in my life. 
not only as a mother, but also as a person and working with other mothers. I personally invite you to join with us as we work together to build mothers and our families. Go to AmericanMothers.org to find out more about the organization and please click join. We welcome you to join us mom to mom. We're with Julie and we appreciate her sharing her very poignant story with us. We're drying our eyes still, but anyway, <laughs> so how did this experience or grieving impact you every day? How did you get through this? What are some things that helped you through that? You said it was a miracle in so many ways, but I bet it took you a while to recognize those miracles. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's interesting that now looking back, I can see how I was given everything I needed to heal, but in the moment I couldn't, I couldn't grab a hold of it yet. I had to have the time to shift my thinking, to shift my beliefs, to shift my understanding, to, to have this. I often talk about grief as like being thrown into a deep lake and you've never been taught how to swim because we ignore grief until we're in the middle of it. And suddenly we're in the middle of it. And then what do we hold on to? There's nothing to hold on to. And Tamara, I don't know if you've shared your story on the podcast before, but when I interviewed you on my podcast, and I remember at the time just being so impacted by the grief in your story, the expectation for one thing, and then having something totally different show up in your mothering yeah. experience. And that's a grief experience. Are we supporting those types of grief experiences? In fact, I don't know if you know, but recently they added a new diagnosis to the manual of diagnoses for mental illness. And they added the diagnosis of prolonged grief disorder. Really? Yes. Which I could talk some about that, but <laughs> and basically the criteria is that you're still affected by a loss, a death loss for a year or more. Mm. And I certainly was affected by grief for far longer than a year or for far longer than a year. In those early days, I had so much compassion for myself, I would say because I just knew my life was turned upside down. I just knew it was. And I'd had grief experiences before through not really understanding what I was experiencing, but when my brother died, when I went through a divorce, and this was even like even more impactful. This was a, a greater loss experience, a greater grieving experience but I had taken some understanding from those previous ones to be gentle with myself, to not expect much, to allow other people not to expect much from me in that first year, that first year and a half. When I got into real big trouble was about a year and a half later when I thought I should be doing better. Mm. I hear that from people all the time. I should be doing better. And I want you to notice that that is a shame statement. That is like, I'm not good enough. I'm bad. 
And as Brene Brown has so beautifully taught us that when we think I've done something bad, then that's like guilt. But when we go to, I am bad, that's shame. Mm -hmm. And it's not that our loss has anything to do with whether or not we did something bad or whatever. It's just imagine the shame and the guilt and the horrific feelings I had about being the driver of the car. Mm. I had to work through all of that mm-hmm. and it takes time and it takes effort, but I can assure you that thinking that we should be doing better than we are in any situation does not help us to move through it or forward. Mm. So maybe the biggest lesson there then is learning to not put a timetable on your grieving journey. You are where you are and you're moving through at a pace that is right for you. Yeah. Would that be a good summary? Yeah, it, it is. So a couple of things that I'll mention that connected to that. And one is that we need the time and space to grieve. So I see people who have an experience and especially when let's say they live in one town, their mother lives in another town, their mother passes away. Nobody knows their mom where they live. So they go off for the funeral, they come home and they try to just bounce right back into life because nobody else around them knows how they've been impacted. But we need the space. We need to honor that space for grieving. We, we, we have to create space in our schedule, in our day, in our life. And then we, to practice compassion and say, I'm sad and that's okay. I love adding that's okay. When we have hard emotions, I, I feel really angry and that's okay because it, it takes the judgment out of it. We've got to take the judgment out of it. We can't deal with something that we're judging because we're spending our time judging instead of actually dealing. Mm. I think that's a very good point, Julie, because I think anytime we go through a process, no matter how small the grieving is to your kind of experience, we feel like we should measure ourselves against what somebody else has gone through. Mm. But you don't really know what somebody else has gone through because they don't share that because it's such a personal journey for them. And I appreciate you sharing that, that we can't judge ourselves, but it's important to recognize where we are so we can move from where we are, where we can become. Absolutely. I love to equate emotional journeys with the physical journeys that we have. And when you were saying that, I was reminded of when I had my first baby and I had a friend the very same night we both went into labor. She was having her third and I was having my first. And after my baby was born, I was not healing. I could not get myself out of my own bed. And I was watching her and she's running after her three kids and she's doing great. And I'm like, oh my gosh, what's wrong with me? And so that's what we do, right? Mm -hmm. Like, because we're looking at the outside of what somebody else is experiencing and we're judging ourselves based on what they're doing. And it's the same thing with grief and sadness and heavy emotions that we carry. We judge ourselves by how other people are showing up. Well, come to find out, when I was expecting my second one, my doctor says, oh my gosh, I can see how you like tore through muscle and everything else. I'm like, nobody told me that. I'm mm. a first time mom. I didn't know, right? So so 
when we're in a grief experience, it's like being that first time mom, we have no clue. We're just figuring it out. And when you're in grief, you're just figuring it out. And it's even more challenging because you're trying to figure it out with all this heaviness that you're carrying. And Julie, can a person compare their grieving with one experience to another experience that they have later on? Or do we experience grief differently depending on the experience? And obviously we have progressed from where we were to where we are when the second experience. Does that make sense? It does. There is value in being able to compare our own experiences in our own life. I feel like it was a blessing for me to have had those earlier grief experiences before this happened, because it really did inform my grieving process, even though it was tremendously difficult, but there's no value in comparing our experience from one person to another. Like I can't compare my experience with somebody else who's lost a child. Even I can't compare my experience with losing my brother to suicide with somebody else's experience. So comparing from person to person, there's no value because the bottom line is we all experience our grief at a hundred percent. That is powerful. And yet you also said that we all have healing in our blueprint. And I love that you said that just earlier in the show. So how do we tap into that healing blueprint, Julie? Well, I think some big, big pieces is not judging our emotions, paying attention to them, allowing them, which is hard to do. I spend a lot of time talking about how to allow the emotion that we're feeling. And if we're constantly judging our emotion, what happens is we're actually not allowing the healing process. Grief Mm -hmm. is part of the healing process. So when we allow the grief, when we allow the sadness, when we allow the crying, when we allow the anger and the punching of pillows and the screaming into the, the, the air. <laughs> when we allow that and we don't judge it, then we can intentionally release. But if we're judging it, we're actually experiencing it, but we're backfilling with guilt and shame. Mm. So probably one of the biggest tips then for healing from grief is allowing yourself to process it, to feel all those emotions, to get them out. So basically you have to get them out so that you can move through it. Is that a good sign? Yeah, it absolutely is. And I wish we had more time to dive deeper into that. (laughs) And I could share with you all kinds of thoughts about that and how society encourages us to hide our grief and why we feel like we have to bury our grief because so many of us feel like it's never ending. And that's kind of what we're being taught right now. There's a model of grief that shares that we don't actually heal from grief. We just become stronger, better able to carry it. And I don't subscribe to that belief. I believe that we can heal it, but if we believe we can't, then we've got to bury it in order to move forward. Mm. And so you never go through the work of getting it out and moving through it. Yeah. We're afraid of it because we're like, it's never ending. So I've got to be afraid of it and I've got to act like it's not here and push it down. Mm. Obviously you talk to people about this all day 
<laughs> I mean, this is this is kind of what you do now. This is my life. I actually had a podcaster one time, a therapist that was interviewing me for a podcast. And he's like, I imagine you didn't grow up saying I'm going to be a grief coach. <laughs> <laughs> No, but sometimes life hands us things that we never expected. Oh, I should say it always does. <laughs> it always, always does. And we get to learn how to move and change. And, and really that is the grief process. The grief process is growth. Ooh, that is really good. That is a really good statement. Grief is growth. So if you don't go through your grief, you don't get to the point where you've grown from the experience. Right. There's actually a term in psychology today called post-traumatic growth. And it basically the, the premise is, is that there are some people who grow through traumatic experiences that actually come out on the other side with having a greater sense of who they are, what their purpose is and so forth. And it's almost presented when I read about it, it's almost presented as this is like accidental, <laughs> like some people get it and some people don't. And my message is it doesn't have to be accidental. That's why I developed the hope model of healing and the five foundations of growth, because there are things that it's necessary for us to learn and there's necessary for us to grow through in order to be at that place of post-traumatic growth mm. instead of what we talk commonly call post-traumatic stress, which I experienced after the accident, I mm -hmm. had horrific PTSD. Mm -hmm. I couldn't drive a car. The first time I drove a car after the accident was like three months. And honestly, I shouldn't have been behind the wheel, but I had to get to a doctor's appointment and I cried and screamed all the way there. I felt like it was so unfair. I was so triggered. It was so unfair that I had to drive myself. And I honestly thought I would never drive again. Can we go into this hope after grieving with that idea with an intentional getting through it? I mean, recognizing that we have the ability to accept it, move through it. Absolutely. Accept the, accept the experience, maybe not accept the loss. Well, you have to accept the loss to move through it, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. Hope is vital. Hope is, is everything. And if it's nothing more than hearing my story and going, there's hope for me, even those little, little pieces of hope. I think that was one of the things that really, really helped me. First of all, there was no Facebook telling me I would grieve forever. And if I had had that experience now, I would be on all of these mother- Facebook grief um, pages that say you grieve forever. And I wouldn't have had the hope. And why would I even strive for healing if I didn't have hope for it? It would be mm -hmm. like, okay, I don't have to learn how to heal this. I don't have to learn that process of healing. I got to learn how to carry it. That's basically what people are being taught. So that's why I get so passionate about sharing this message is because nobody can tell me you can't heal from grief because I've experienced it. Mm. And I've watched my clients. I've watched them open their eyes to hope that they can heal. And I've watched them heal. Mm. And I've read the emails from clients who lost a baby full term and email me three years later 
on their baby's birth date and say, I never imagined I could be doing as well as I'm doing. And that's the problem with grief is because in the middle of it, we don't feel like we can heal. It feels never ending. I had COVID a few months ago, and I know that might be triggering for people because I know a lot of people experienced so much loss through COVID and I wasn't that sick. You know, I was at home sick with kind of like the flu for me, but in the middle of it, I remember thinking, am I ever going to feel well again? Am I ever going to feel like I want to get up and do things again? I felt so depleted. And that's what we feel in grief. It takes so much more time. And we're so used to the 30 minute sitcom that everything gets resolved in 30 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) It's We need those pieces of injection of hope in our day, every day. Wow. Well, Julie, this has been so amazing. And thank you for giving us hope that you can heal from grief. And will you please share with us how people can find you online before we wrap it up here? Absolutely. The best place to find me is build a life after loss. And actually, if you remember, build a life after loss, it's long. I know build a life after loss. If you remember that, it's buildalifeafterloss.com. My Facebook page and group is Build a Life After Loss with Julie Clough. My podcast is the same name, Build a Life After Loss. That's where you can find me. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. We'd like to thank you, our listeners, for your continued support. Please help us spread the word about the podcast. Be sure to like, leave a comment, and share episodes of the American Mothers Mom to Mom podcast on all your social media outlets. We can best support each other as mothers if we share good things that will help us all with our families. So remember to listen, like, comment, and share. We are actually having Julie back on, and we're going to talk about dealing with everyday grief because we all do it. Everything from sending your kid off to school to sending your kid off to college. So stay tuned for that. We're going to talk about a little bit more on the healing side. So thank you and stay tuned. (laughs) Hi, my name is Torimar Betancourt. I am from Puerto Rico and uh, I'm very excited to be part of the American Mothers. I think I've discovered that the love you have for your children is something that doesn't have an end. And for me that I've lost my son, I feel that now love doesn't end when your child is not here physically anymore. I think that it grows. It's like a love that doesn't compare to, for example, the love I have for my daughter, which she is here with us. And it has also taught me streams that you can go to honor your children also and is to give the best of you and to be passionate about the children you have and be involved in their lives and uh, just give them the best of you. (laughs) 
Thanks so much for listening to today's show. If you like what you heard, subscribe so you can get your weekly dose of mom-to-mom encouragement. We understand that being a mother can be overwhelming, but we hope that you found something useful you can apply to your own life. We invite you to share this episode with a friend who might also enjoy the message. The mission of American Mothers is to support mothers, empowering them to positively impact their families and communities. We want each one of you to discover and share your innate, inherent, and natural abilities to bless your children and others. The primary purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform. The views, information, or opinions expressed during the American Mothers Mom to Mom podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of American Mothers Incorporated, its members or employees. AMI is not responsible for, nor does it verify the accuracy of the information contained in the podcast, nor does the series constitute any professional advice or services. We look forward to visiting with you one mom to another next week. Until then, just do your best at mothering and remember you're not alone. You've got an army of mothers all around you cheering you on.